You're listening to a sermon from St. John's Anglican in Cranbourne. To find out more about us, head to cranbourneanglican.org.au. Well, I wonder when was the last time that uh, God disagreed with you? Last time that you read the Bible and you came across a passage like 1 Peter chapter 2 or 3 and read it and went, yeah, I don't I really like that bit. I guess, in fact, the more important question is not so much when was the last time that God disagreed with you, is when that happened, what did you do? What did you do? Because when you come across passages like our passage this morning that are very countercultural to our society, there's a few options that you have. One is you can kind of just look at it and go, yeah, I don't like that, God got that bit wrong, and move on. Uh, or you can kind of just kind of skate over the top of it. It's like the Christian version of, you know, if you think the, the Bible is the word of God, it's inspired by God, uh, and so you know you can't just say, no, nah, whatever. Uh, but instead what you can do, what often happens, is you kind of just kind of skate across the top. You, it's, it's, it's the Christian version of going, no, 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 like this while it's being read and you don't have to deal with it. Or, uh, and this is what I really encourage you to do, is look at the passage, try to work it out. What is it that's confronting you? And it may be that you're not really understanding the passage, in which case you need to look across to the whole of the Bible and all that you know about the Bible and bring them all together and let them help you interpret that passage. Uh, so you may, you may not have rightly understood it. The other thing it might be is that you have rightly understood it, but you just don't want to do it. And so that's what we're trying to work out this, this morning. We're not going to skate over the top. We're not going to dismiss it. We're going to try and sit with it and work it out. Well, I've, it's, it's quite a large section and uh, it, I think it was important to put them all together because you get the whole context of what we're talking about here. So I'm going to take us through it. And what I want you to see firstly is that Peter begins with a principle in verse 12. You see it there. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. So the situation is Peter is writing to people uh, in Turkey, uh, modern-day Turkey, uh, who are being persecuted. And the public opinion, the word on the street is that Christians are bad people who do bad things. And Peter's saying, well, don't give them fuel for the fire. He says, conduct yourselves honourably if they... Uh, abuse you if they insult you. The, you know, the easy thing to do is get offended and hot under the collar and strike them back with your words. But Peter's saying, no, don't do that. Act honourably. Continue to do good. Why? Because you never know when your countercultural act- attitude to suffering, when the honourable tenor of your life, when your good deeds will point them to God and save them. They'll see your good deeds and glorify God, in the words of Peter. 
So that's the principle. In the face of difficulties brought on because you're Christian, live honourably, keep doing good, so that people might see the good you do and perhaps be saved. That is, they're pointed to the kind of God that we worship, the kind of saviour we have. Now, how do you do that? Now, I would have uh, probably given a whole lot of different answers, but probably not the answer that Peter gives, uh, because it's, I think it's utterly surprising. How do you do that? He says, you exercise a strong, countercultural, assertive submission. You see that at the start of the three examples that Peter gives. Have a look. Verse 13, submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority. And verse 18, slaves in reverent fear of God, submit yourselves to your masters. Uh, chapter 3, verse 1, wives in the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands. So Peter tells us what doing good, living honourably in the face of hostility to Christ looks like in the world, in the workplace and at home. And surprisingly, I think, he says it looks like submission. Now, if there is any word that is going to get our hackles up in these days, it is the word submission. We don't, I think partly that's because as Australians, we don't like submitting to anything. We, we, we are autonomous. We want to do our own thing. We don't like the idea of submitting. And it doesn't matter who it is. But I think also some of the reason the word submission feels bad to us is because the picture we get in our head when we think of submitting is this. It's the doormat. So we think submission means quietly letting others trample all over me. Now, that's not what Peter is talking about. He's talking about what I'm calling strong, countercultural, assertive submission. Now, how do I, where do I get that from? Uh, why do I say that? Well, because Peter gives us an example, and the example is Jesus. He's the great example of submission. Verse 21. To this you are called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. So our great example of submission is Jesus Christ, and he was never a doormat. He is strong. He's completely assured of his own worth and his own glory. And at his trial before Pilate, he's not cowed, he's not craven. He stands with an admirable dignity in the face of his accusers. He was insulted. And the easy thing to do, the thing we mostly do, is return insult for insult. But he doesn't. He does the thing that's strong. He continues to live honourably. He has all the power of heaven behind him, but when suffering comes, he doesn't threaten those who are inflicting the suffering on him. And, you know, uh, that kind of submission is tremendously powerful. It's the kind of submission that changes countries. Like, if you think about two of the most revered leaders of the last century... Uh, people who were all on about forgiveness and uh, submitting to authorities and uh, 
Well, who was it? It was Mahatma Gandhi. But it didn't mean he was a doormat. He didn't mean that he did whatever the government told him to do. But he submitted. Uh, and it was Nelson Mandela. And you would never look at either of those people and say, weak. Would you? No, Jesus submits himself to the authorities, but does so in the most assertive way. He says, this is who I am. I know my worth, I know my glory, I will love, I will love you to the end, come what may, I will suffer so that you may be saved. And so what I'm doing as I submit is noble and it is strong. That's why I say Jesus exercised this strong, countercultural, assertive submission that sought the good of others. And Peter says we're to do the same in the world, in the workplace, and in the home. So firstly, the world. Verse 13, submit yourselves to, for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as supreme, as the supreme authority, or to governors who are set by him to punish those who do wrong and commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Uh, I, I love that. Did you hear that? He said, live as free, you're God's slaves. Uh, both at the same time. This is, this is the heart of what he's talking about. Submission to God actually brings freedom. Uh, show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honour the emperor. Peter says, submit to the government. Now, this is kind of surprising because Peter is writing at a time when there's a government that is hostile to Christians. They don't like Christians. They're not protecting Christians. And yet he says, submit. Now, it's important to note that Peter's not saying you should do whatever the government says no matter what because Peter himself didn't. You see in Acts chapter 5, the rulers of his day told Peter that he had to stop telling people about Jesus. And so what did he say? Verse 29, Peter and the other apostles replied, we must obey God rather than human beings. So what's the limit here? Fear God first, then honour the emperor. That is, if the government's telling us not to do something that God has told us to do, or to do something that God's told us not to do, then what do we do? Well, we respectfully, we graciously, we disobey. Uh, but we always like the exceptions, don't we? Most of the time, it's not going to be that case, is it? The vast majority of the time, what do we do? We engage in strong, countercultural, assertive submission to government for the good of others. Uh, you might have noticed that we had an election yesterday. And so we woke up this morning to uh, a new government, although we're not actually sure what that government is going to look like, but we, we have a new Prime Minister. Now, you may have voted for Labour or you may not have. And it may be that in the future, whether it's a Labour or Liberal government or someone else, it's going to get harder to be a Christian. Uh, what do we do? 
or we submit for the Lord's sake. That doesn't mean we have to like whatever they do. We don't have to campaign. We don't campaign for change or uh, engage in advocacy for those who are getting a bad or raw deal. No, we engage respectfully in our democracy, seeking to do good for others. Uh, and we honour our Prime Minister, whoever he or she is. That is countercultural for an Australian, isn't it? When was the last time you heard someone saying, uh, you, you really shouldn't talk down the Prime Minister because of his position, uh, we should, we should honour him? Uh, I, I don't think I've ever heard anyone say that. Um, but as Christians, we honour the Prime Minister. Uh, we use our words to build up and to honour. We engage in strong, countercultural, assertive submission to government for the good of others. All right, we do that in the world. We also do it in the workplace. Verse 18, Slaves, in reverent fear of God, submit yourselves to your masters, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh, for it is commendable if someone bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because they are conscious of God. Now, with all of these examples, there's stuff we need to to deal with before we can actually hear what Peter's saying. So you hear that and you might think, isn't slavery bad? Why isn't he saying, slaves, rebel, overthrow your masters? Wouldn't that be the right thing to say? Well, the Bible does actually say that slavery is bad. So 1 Corinthians 7 verse 23, Paul says, people shouldn't be slaves of others. You've been bought at a price, he said. Don't be a slave to someone else. And it was Christians, and most notably William Wilberforce, of course, who led the campaign to abolish slavery. It was based on the Bible. That's where it came from. But Peter here is speaking into a social reality. Now, slavery at the time, it was much more akin to our workplace and slavery, the slavery we have in our head uh, when we think of slaves in the last century. So these slaves often had positions of responsibility and power and they were given decent food and housing, but they, they were still slaves and it was still bad. But Peter's writing to Christians who were slaves and there wasn't much they could do about it. And so the question is, how do you live in the current reality? What does Peter say? If you're a slave and your master is hostile to Christ, what are you to do? Peter says they're to engage in strong Countercultural, assertive submission for the good of others. He says, you do good. You keep on living like Christ. Uh, you, if you suffer unjustly because of that, well, you're in really good company because that's what happened to Jesus. Be like him. Don't lower yourself to their level. Don't return insult for insult. Be a lived expression of the gospel. Suffer so that they might be saved. This is a submission that takes strength. How's things at work? Or perhaps in your retirement village or wherever there's anyone in management over you or authority over you. Uh, lots of workplaces have managers that are unpleasant. Perhaps they know you're a Christian and they ridicule you. What do you do? Well, what most people do is kind of talk behind their back and badmouth them and work to undermine them and all of that kind of thing. 
uh, Peter's saying, no, you can't do that. You need to live like Christ. Keep living honourably, engage in strong submission so that as you keep loving and doing good, people will see your countercultural submission and wonder why on earth you are so different. And you never know when your suffering will point them to Christ. Be like Jesus. All right, so that's the world, the workplace. What about the home? We come lastly to the home. And this is perhaps the most countercultural and uh, part of our passage today, the most difficult to hear, the hardest to get right. Uh, and it's a passage that has been used in the past for immense harm. And so uh, we want to work out, it's really important we work out, exactly what Peter means here and what he doesn't mean. Okay? So chapter 3, verse 1. Wives, in the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behaviour of their wives when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. Your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as elaborate hairstyles and the wearing of gold jewellery or fine clothes. Rather, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. There are at least like five things totally offensive in that passage to the modern Australian. You might be sitting there and thinking, women submitting to men... That's old-fashioned, it's outmoded, it's utterly wrong, it's immoral. Or you may think, what about abusive men? Are you saying I should just suck it up and stay? Or submission, does that mean I just have to do whatever my husband says? Or why? Why is a gentle and quiet spirit the female ideal? There is so much here that is offensive to our modern society. And uh, so what I want to try and do here is first just clear the deck a little so we can actually hear what Peter's, Peter's saying. When Peter's talking about submission, and this is particularly why I wanted to bring in those other two examples as well, what's he talking about? What's he been talking about all along? He's talking about being like Jesus. Strong, secure in your own self-worth, Counterculturally submitting for the good of others, doing good in the face of suffering so that the husband might see the beauty of Christ in you and perhaps be saved. That's what he's talking about when he says a gentle and quiet spirit, by the way. It's not a feminine ideal. He's referring back to the end of chapter 2, where Jesus was gentle and quiet in the face of his accusers. So. It's not a, he, he's saying our true beauty isn't the clothes on the outside but the person on the inside. Take on Christ's beauty. What this is not saying is that you have to do whatever your husband says. Just like in the first example, it was not saying you have to do everything that the government says or agree with everything the government says. And it's not saying if your husband is verbally or physically violent, you should just take it. That is not biblical submission. It's not. Biblical submission understands its, its own self-worth. It's strong, 
It's aimed at the good of the other. It's so that the other might be pointed to Jesus. Now, if a husband's violent, the best way to love your husband and point him to Jesus might be to leave and find somewhere safe so that he can see how serious it is, so that he can see the beauty and worth of his wife, so that he can change. Uh, but keep doing good. Keep being like Christ. It's a, it's a hard thing in each of these examples. It's strength. It takes strength. It takes Christ's strength. But Peter does say, wives, submit to your husbands. Uh, and uh, one of the reasons why I changed the reading is because it's not a passive thing. It's an active thing. It's something that you give. It's not something that's ever taken. Okay? Men, you should never quote this verse at your wives. This is something you give is given, never taken. Do you understand? Uh, I do think that the Bible teaches that men have headship or leadership within the family, but it's a leadership that looks like Christ and loves like Christ, as it says in Ephesians, one that is willing to lay down their life for their wives. As Peter says, uh, chapter 3, verse 7, Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner as, and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Now, firstly, just on being the weaker partner, Peter's, the only thing Peter's trying to say here is the ones who are, generally speaking, less physically strong. He's not talking about being inferior in any way. He's not talking about being weaker in your personhood. Okay, so that's the side. I want to talk to the men now. You're to treat your wife with consideration and respect. Uh, you might have seen this campaign from our state government, uh, Respect Women. It's an anti-domestic violence campaign. Uh, well, this is Peter. He's, he's 2,000 years ahead of them. And he's saying the same thing. Respect women. Be considerate. Be the kind of man who is like Christ. Be that kind of strong man. Um, you know, there is never... I just want to say this really clearly because there's been some research out there in the last couple of years that say that sometimes people take readings like these and use them as a cudgel uh, to to abuse their wives, and that is. That's horrible. So men, I want to be, I want to be really clear with you. Uh, it's never okay. It's never okay. It's appalling that domestic violence is happening in Christian families. It should not happen here, ever. And uh, the passage doesn't support it at all. I just want that to be so clear. If you're struggling with this, if you're a bloke who's struggling with this, if you've got a, uh, uh, an issue with uh, violence or temper or yelling or controlling, if you're controlling your wife, uh, that happens financially as well, 
you need to change. And that's really hard sometimes because it's, sometimes there's really ingrained stuff in you and you need help to change. Uh, so a little bit later uh, this afternoon or maybe tomorrow, I'm going to send out an email and there'll be a place. Uh, I'll give you details of where you can go to get help to change. Uh, and uh, if you're a woman and you're suffering abuse as well, uh, sorry, I don't know why I'm so I do know why I'm so emotional about it. Um, then uh, there'll be places you can go to. I'll give you the information. Because men, Christ is our example here. You need to be like Christ. And how did Christ treat women? He treated them always with respect. Always with gentleness. Always seeking their good. And so it's saying, be like Christ. Show consideration. Pay her honour because she's a co-heir in her own right of God's good gifts. Because in the end, submission is actually for everyone. It's for everyone. Submit to government. Submit in the workplace. Submit to husbands. It's hard to do. It's countercultural, but the point is actually to be like Christ, who came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. We submit because Jesus Christ submitted, even to death on the cross, so that we might be saved. We submit and keep doing good to be like Christ because in him. There is hope, there is life, there is healing. Uh, there is goodness in this world and it can break out powerfully as you counterculturally and assertively submit in the name of Christ. Let's pray. Well, Heavenly Father, uh, as we come to your word, we know that your word is life. And so, Heavenly Father, uh, help us not to skate over the top of it, but really grapple with your word. And Father, as we grapple with your word, we pray that you'd be at work changing our hearts and renewing us. Help us, Father, to be good citizens of this country, uh, to live honourably, to do good for others, uh, to submit to our government in a way that is going to be for the good of this place and for the good of others. And Heavenly Father, help us in our workplace if we're struggling. Anyone struggling here, uh, this too is a hard word. And so we ask for the work of your Holy Spirit uh, to strengthen them in Christ-likeness. That they may stand and shine your grace and your, your light, your goodness. And Heavenly Father, in our homes, uh, may we all be Christ-like. Uh, Father, I pray that we might be compassionate and respectful. Father, that we might submit in the same way that Christ submitted. And Lord, give us wisdom. Give us wisdom to know what that looks like. 
but most of all, fill us uh, with a vision of who you are, the beauty of you, who you are, so that we too might seek to be like you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Well, uh, we're going to continue in an attitude of prayer. Uh, let's.